Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome to the Local Church, a perfect place for imperfect people. Shout out to all my church family online. Shout out to Everglades Correctional Facility, all of our church family there. We're so glad you're with us today. Can, can, can we give them uh, just some, some welcoming applause? Grateful for what God is doing. If you're a guest today, I want you to know that you matter to God, that you matter to us, that he wants to speak to you today. And this is why we're here. We're not here to put on a show or performance or to get people to give. We're here because we believe that God wants to get something to us. He wants to grow us today. And so I'm believing he's going to do that. Amen. Uh, again, if, if uh, you know who I am, I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. Some of you may not know, but I am Korean Cuban. My name is Gamero, and so that's why, you know, I had that last name because I'm Cuban. But my face looks like this because I'm Korean. But what you may not be aware of is that for a lot of my journey in life, I was actually Amish. True story. And, and, and I don't mean like I wore overalls and grew a beard because I've been trying to grow this beard for 25 years. My jeans won't allow it to get bigger than this. That's not what I mean. And I love those big Amish hats, but God blessed me with a huge skull and big hair. And so I'm not talking about that either. Here's what I mean. If you go to Amish country in Pennsylvania, you will find that they are close to power, that they can be connected to the power grid, but yet they have chosen not to be connected to this power source. And a lot of us, myself included, for much of our lives, we have been spiritually Amish. There's a power available to us, but we have chosen to live life on our own strength, disconnected from this power. Romans 8.11, this is amazing, I want you to hear this. It says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, listen to this, he lives in you. I mean, we can stop right there. That'll be the teaching for today. I mean, that in and of itself is so overwhelming, so powerful. The Spirit that resurrected the flesh of the living God back to life, that Spirit, that same Spirit lives within you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. How? By the same spirit, again, living within you. Christians all over the world today, they've been living on their own strength and their own power, and they have not gone very far. Why is that? Because it's our own strength. And our strength is limited, but yet there is a supernatural power available to all of us by the Spirit of God. We're in the series called Ghost Stories That Aren't Scary. And maybe you've seen some of these ghost stories that are scary, where, where someone is, is, is endued with power from a spirit living inside of them. You know, these movies that I'm talking about, when I was 11 years old, I watched The Exorcist. I don't recommend it. My parents did a terrible job parenting. I ended up okay, but it's not a reason to watch. I remember watching this, and I was terrified that this woman, she had a demon within her. She was endued with this supernatural power. She's throwing people like they're ragdolls. Her head is spinning around, and I watch. I'm like, no, 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 this supernatural stuff is a little bit too scary. And then in church... We start reading these stories of people filled with demonic powers. I'm like, hold on. You're telling me this stuff is real? The devil is real and demons can fill people? And I was terrified. And I didn't want to have anything to do with this supernatural spiritual stuff. 
And then I started reading God's word for myself. And I began to understand that Jesus has given us all authority in his name, that at the name of Jesus, the Bible says, every knee on earth and beneath the earth, every principality has to bow in submission to this power in the name of Jesus. And when I understood that, I was no longer scared of the supernatural. But, but here's what happened. As a 15-year-old who, who just surrendered my life to Jesus and understood that there's authority in the name of Jesus, I wanted more of this. I wanted more power. Today's fall back. You know, it's Benny Hinn Day. I wanted to, to be able to lay hands on people and all of them fall back. Any charismatic brothers and sisters in this place? You know what I'm talking about. I wanted to walk in a room and my shadow would heal people and demons would start speaking out. Oh no, is that Eric? Yes, it is. Go in Jesus' name. Ah, like, I just, I wanted this supernatural power in my life. And in a few weeks, we're, we're going to talk in greater detail about some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want you to understand today. It doesn't have to be spooky. It doesn't have to be scary. All of us, we crave power. This is why the superhero genre is the number one genre in movies across the world. We all desire power. No one wants to be weak. We all would love to have some sort of spiritual, supernatural, mutant-like power. Turn your neighbor, tell him this. Say, I want power. And God wants to give me power. Continue to look at them and say, but it's not what I think it is. God wants to give us power, but I want you to know today, it's not what we think it is. I've titled today's teaching, What's the Purpose of This Power? He wants to give us power, but what is the purpose of this power? It's not what we think it is. Acts 1.1, it says this. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. This was written by Luke. This is his second book. This guy named Theophilus uh, hired him and contracted him so that he can uh, write down and give the history of the life and the ministry of Jesus. So Luke wrote this second book. His first book was what? Very good. That's, that's going to be on the test in a few weeks, so I want you to memorize that one. Luke, in, in his first book, he dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up. After he had given the commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he had presented himself, what? Alive. Everyone say alive. alive. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. This is important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says that Jesus revealed himself after the resurrection to 500 plus people, that they were witnesses of him coming back to life. And this is important because if Jesus was dead, our hope is dead. Our lives are dead. His promises are not true, but Jesus is not dead, amen? Jesus is alive. And so this is important. Verse four, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait Turn to someone, tell them, wait, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the people of Jesus, they're excited. The followers of Jesus are saying, you're back. Okay, let's go. Let's go out. Let's tell the entire world. And what does Jesus say? He says, wait. Calmate, muchachos. Okay, hold on. Perate, perate. Before you go out, the Spirit of God needs to come in. You need to understand that, that, that 
The life that we live for God is not the life we live for God. Being a Christian is the life that he lives within us. So he says, before you go out, you need the Holy Spirit to come in. Why? Here's why. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, it seems like a simple question, but you have to understand the culture that they are in. They are under a kingdom of, under the rule of Caesar. And now their leader, Jesus, just had done something that Caesar could never have done, which is come back from the dead. And so what the disciples are asking him with this simple on the surface question really is, we know that you now have power. So will you bring the kingdom to our culture Will you rule and reign as our leader and take all of those people and put them underneath your feet? See, a lot of us, we think the same way. Well, we, we see what's happening and we see those people, whoever those people are to you, those people who don't agree with you, those people who legislate things that are against your beliefs. And you're saying, we know that you are in power. So will you use us to raise up this power to put all of those people under subjection, under your feet, so you can rule and reign as our king here on earth? But that's not Jesus' heart. Jesus is not about, I'm going to make sure everyone who disagrees with my father is under my feet. He loved. He could have had every opportunity. He had the power to destroy all of those who opposed him, but he didn't because he loved. And he commanded us and he exampled us, his disciples, to love. So he said to them, verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed on his own authority. One day I will come back and I will rule and I will reign, but you don't know when and this is not that time. But here's what you need to know, verse 8, but you will receive power. Say power. power. Say like you have some power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We will receive power because of the Spirit with us. But what's the purpose? What's the purpose of this power? Is the purpose of this power to rule over people? Is the purpose of this power for us to, for us to be uplifted? What's the purpose? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my Witnesses in Jerusalem, in this local community, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, you're going to be empowered by my spirit in your local community to the ends of the earth so that you can declare my good news of love and life and hope. You will be empowered to be my witnesses, to share my message of love and life to the ends of the world. See, this power is not what we think it is. It's not what we think it's for. This power is not so that people can lift us up and celebrate us. This power is not so we can have a late night television show where we sell miracle spring water to anyone who's a sucker who will give us their money or we put our faces on a billboard so people can come and hear us speak and they'll want us to 
sign their Bibles and their books and everyone celebrates us and they pay to see us. This is not so people can fight to take a selfie with us and say, oh, I've been around Eric. Oh, I've been around Johnny and they faint in our presence. This power is not for our glory. It's to tell Jesus' story. Because his story is the only story that has power to change someone's life. His story is the only story that transforms our story, that can help write, rewrite someone else's story. This is why we have this power, to be his witnesses. Here's the first big idea. I want you to write this down. Remember last week, we, we, we said that the Holy Spirit he never speaks apart from what he's already spoken. So today, I want to give three big ideas of how the Holy Spirit speaks to us, how he gives us power to find in his word. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit gives us power to communicate the love of Jesus with others. This power is not what we think it is. This power is for us to help communicate the love of Jesus with others. 1 Corinthians 2.4, Paul says this. Paul says, in my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul is saying to this church in Corinth, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with eloquent words. I wasn't the most entertaining communicator. I wasn't the most equipped or intelligent speaker. But when I came to you and people were saved, that wasn't because of my wisdom. That wasn't because of my words. That was a display of the spirit of God's power. This is why people were saved. Paul is saying the reason why the church grew, the reason why people were saved was because the power of the Spirit of God. And I want to let you in on a little dirty secret when it comes to the church world. And I don't think that pastors, they, they intend to do this. I think this is an unintended consequence that happens with success and growth and a lot of people and a lot of money. But I want you to know this, that we don't need the Holy Spirit to grow a church. What? We don't. We don't need the Spirit's presence here to grow this church. Our band is good enough. They can play whatever we ask them to. I know enough sad stories. I know how to change my cadence and my tone and put a different emphasis on a different syllable to get you to listen. I've read enough books where I have a lot of information to keep us entertained and engaged. I know how to make people cry. I can tell stories of little dogs, you know, oh, poor little Denny, and he had a heart attack, but Emma, she prayed, Jesus, help this dog to walk in the dog race. True story, right? This happened in my life. I, I, I know enough, apart from the Spirit of God, where we can see growth. If we had money, guess what? We would grow, guaranteed. We don't have a whole lot of money, but if all we did was communicate feel-good messages, there would be growth guaranteed. We don't need the Holy Spirit to grow this church numerically. But if we want to see real transformation, come on, somebody. If we want to see people falling in love with Jesus and surrendering all of their life and living in the calling that he's put on their lives, we need the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. And so this is why I surrender to his leading every single week. I need his strength. I need his power to help communicate this message of Jesus. Let, let me tell you something about my life. Fun fact. I'm 40 years old and I'm an introvert. 
okay? I promise you, I'm not saying this to, to kind of prove a point. I am an introvert. I don't like talking to people. I would much rather be at home in, in the comfortability of my pajamas behind a screen than deal with people, especially imperfect people. But I'm 40 years old also. So some of the students in local youth, they think I'm the old guy. They don't want to listen to anything I have to say. Some of you, you're older than me. You've been walking with Jesus longer than I've been alive. I'm like right in the middle of everything here at the local church. How is it then that I can come week after week after week and speak a message that will resonate to Gen Z and boomers and everyone in between? Can I tell you, it's not my power. It's not my, it's not my strength. It's by the Spirit of God. There's no way I can know everything that's happening in your life. But you know what we hear every single week when a teacher teaches here? Oh, did, did you know what was happening? Because you spoke, no, no, I didn't speak to you. I'm speaking to myself. I need the help. That's the spirit of God. I have to rely on the spirit. And I understood this when I was 15 years old. I was, not 15 years old, sorry. When I was teaching teenagers, I was in my mid-20s and, and uh, I got this opportunity to, to speak to all the adults in big church. Pastor was out. He entrusted me. And so we had a Saturday night service. So I prepared my best message. And I'm like, man, God, I, I need help on this because I believe that the good news is the power of salvation for anyone who believes it. I believe that. I just didn't believe that I could speak to people who were older than me because I was a youth pastor. I was a youth leader. That's all I knew. And so here I am this Saturday night and, and I'm sharing God's word and I'm telling jokes. And it is terrible, man. I bombed, or at least I thought, because everyone, they're just staring at me with their arms crossed and some people are not enough. I'm like, this is horrible. I share some, I get excited and there's crickets in the crowd. I'm like, wow, you know what? Maybe these people should go to hell. I mean, <laughs> this is, this is, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I felt that, right? Okay, imperfect person. That's who I was. I didn't, I didn't want to come back the next Sunday. I promise you. I wanted to call in sick. I was like, let Pastor Johnny speak. He's the older pastor. Let the, I'm going to call in sick and I'm just going to, you know, cry at home. But I couldn't. So the next Sunday I come and as we're getting ready and as the worship team was rehearsing, this normal everyday person, he wasn't a pastor. He comes up to me and says, hey, Eric, how you doing? I said, honestly, not good. I don't want to do this, man. That crowd was tough last night. He said, can I pray for you? I said, please, I'll take anything. And he began to lay his hands on me and pray for me. And, and I can't understand it fully. I can't explain it. But I see it in God's word often enough that when someone lays hands on another person in prayer in the name of Jesus, something is transferred spiritually. Sometimes you feel something, sometimes you don't, but it doesn't matter if you feel, it's what God is doing. And in that moment, I did feel the comfort of the Holy Spirit come upon me and a confidence that I've seldom experienced before in my life. And over the next three services, I didn't care if people were sleeping, if people were laughing, if people were crying, or people were saying, get out of here, you're terrible. I just preached God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that Sunday, dozens of people came to faith in Jesus. And that wasn't by me. <laughs> no way. I did not want to be there. That was by the Spirit of God. And, and I don't say this to scare any of you, but he'll do the same in your life if you surrender. He will give you the power to help communicate the good news of Jesus to those people that you know need it if you would surrender to his leading. He'll do it. The Holy Spirit We'll do it. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because there's something special about me. It's because I'm surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And I saw this. 
I saw this over the past several weeks. When we were in our Good News series, I heard story after story of people who for the first time in their life, they, they were sharing their faith. They were inviting friends to come to church. They, they were engaging with their neighbors. Why? Because we gave money to the church to build a bridge, to share the good news. Can I tell you, church familia, we have something greater than a $20 bill. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. I'm telling you, if we would just do what we did in that series and say, Holy Spirit, where are you leading me? What are you teaching me? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to go to? If we hear and we obey, I'm telling you, he's going to use you in ways that you never imagined. He's going he's gonna to bring things to your remembrance. He's going to give you power and courage. You're going to spout off things. Say, Is that in the Bible? You're going to check later saying, oh yeah, that was in the Bible. Thank God. You know, that wasn't. And he's going to use you in ways that you never imagined. If you surrender to this power, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to continue to live on our own strength, continue to, to, to live with, with this idea that his power is just to perform so people can fall in our presence, or are we going to allow his spirit to use us to give people what they really need, hope in Jesus for salvation? Second thing is this, because some of you are freaking out right now. You're like, this, this, this is some spooky spiritual stuff. Wait for the next two weeks. We're going to be talking about the gifts of God. We're going to talk about some other things. So I want, I want you to write this down. For those of you freaking out right now. The Holy Spirit gives us power to stay calm in our weakness. He gives us power to stay calm in our weakness. Romans 8, 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We can go through God's word and find several ways that the Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses, how he gives us a new identity, how he transforms us and, and gives us a new character, how he helps us to pray. But this is the one I want to focus on today as we talk through these ghost stories that aren't scary. He prays for us. The Spirit of God prays for us. Look what Romans 8, 26 says. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes, prays on behalf of us, for us, with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit, think about this. He prays for us when we are weak. Now, some of you think this is something else, and in two weeks, we'll talk about what a lot of people consider praying in the Spirit. But what I want you to know today is that the Spirit of God in your weakness prays for you, follower of Jesus. Because we've all been in that place where we're weak and we don't know what to pray and we don't know what to say and we know we should bring it to God. And in those moments, the Spirit of God living inside of us actually intercedes on our behalf to God. Some of you, you're like, I'm weak. I don't know how to raise these children in this situation I'm in. Some of you are saying, I have a presentation this week in school, or I have to, to, to do this presentation in my workplace, and I get anxious around people, and I don't know how to speak publicly. Some of you are saying, there's a sin in my life where I can't seem to overcome. I'm still addicted. No matter how hard I try, I keep on falling back into this. I don't know how to get through this, but God does. And the Spirit of God will intercede for you so that you can have strength to get through what you're going through. In our weakness, the Spirit of God 
intercedes, prays for us. Someone say weakness. weakness. That's the key though. I want you to write this down. Our pathway to God's power is our weakness. Our pathway to experience this power of God, it's not our accolades, it's not our achievements, it is our weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, I have this thorn in my flesh and I don't know how to get through it. And I'm grateful that he doesn't say what his thorn is because a lot of us, if we knew what that thorn was, we'll say, well, I don't have that thorn. Therefore, God can't help me. But he keeps it ambiguous so that we can understand it doesn't matter what thorn we may have in our flesh that we think is keeping us from, from achieving what God wants to do in our life that is stopping us from being all that he's called us to be. Paul is praying, take this away from me. God, I want to be used by you, so I need this thorn to be removed. And how did God say, how did, what did God speak back to him? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me by his spirit, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness, says the Spirit of God. I don't know how to do it, but God does, and the Spirit of God will give you power as he prays for you in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For then the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. Some of us were weak today, and that's okay because the Spirit of God will give you strength. God will give you power by His Spirit to get you through what you're going through if we would surrender to His presence. You may be weak, but He is strong, and He prays for you, and He intercedes for you, and He will give you power in your weakness if you surrender. Do you believe that? I want to pray right now. Holy Spirit, we are weak. We don't have the words to speak. We can't even think of the way to get through this difficulty right now. But Lord, I pray that by your Spirit's power that we would have strength. That God, you would give us strength and calm through the chemotherapy in Jesus' name. That you would give us peace in our relational problems right now by your spirit in Jesus' name. That you would help us to know that you are a provider regardless of the, the financial circumstances we are facing right now. God, give us peace in this place. I pray that you'd pour out your strength, your power, your calm in our weaknesses in this place and at home right now, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. What's he speaking to us? What are we going to do with that? Are we going to continue to work on our own strength and when we're out of strength, stop? Or are we going to admit, I'm weak. I can't do this, but God can. Holy Spirit, help me to see that. Give me strength to believe that. Give me calm to get through that. I surrender. Third big idea is this. The Holy Spirit gives us power to call to mind God's promises. 
To communicate the love of Jesus, he gives us strength for to be calm in our weaknesses. And the Holy Spirit gives us power to call to mind God's promises. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit that I experience more than anything else day to day. This power to call to mind what Jesus has already said, all of God's promises. John 14, 25, Jesus says, but these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But my helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your what? Remembrance all that I've said to you. Anyone here ever forgotten something important? Come on, perfect place for imperfect people. You forgot a birthday. You forgot an anniversary. You forgot something on the shopping list. Every single one of us, that's what happens. I would hope that as I get older, my memory would be more acute, but I find that it's actually more dysfunctional. Maybe you're like me. Maybe like, you know, again, I'm 40 and I think it's old. And those of you who have led the way and are 50 and 60 and 70, God bless you guys. But I'm just in a crisis right now. It's like, man, my my joints hurt. My back hurts. I get up out of my chair because I have to do something. I go to the next room. I'm like, why why did I get up? I forgot so quickly. And it's embarrassing when it comes to physical things. But hear this. When it comes to spiritual matters, it's detrimental. I want you to understand this. I want you to get this today. This is important for us. That spiritual growth, oftentimes, it doesn't happen when we learn something new. Spiritual growth oftentimes develops as we remember. Not when we learn something new about God, but when we remember something about God. See, a lot of us, my charismatic, my Pentecostal brothers and sisters, you're like, come on, Eric, preach it. Teach us a new thing. Reveal to us the deep mysteries of God. And we want this new thing when we haven't done anything with the old thing God has given us in the first place. Oof. Some of us, we want a new thing, but here we are. We've gone to new churches and been under new leadership and learned a whole lot of new things, but we're still the same old person we used to be because we haven't done anything with the old thing that God taught us from the beginning. And so spiritual growth is not a scavenger hunt where we're trying to find new things about God. Oftentimes, spiritual growth is us being reminded of the right thing at the right time and doing something with it. To do something with what God has put in our hearts. So so I've already proven that, that our memory is deteriorating. But here's the thing. We still remember, right? There's a lot of things we remember, but our memory is selective. What we remember is what is important to us. What we commit to memory often is usually unimportant things. I'm not here to beat us up. I'm here to give us hope today, but I need to prove it. And so I want to play a quick game of finish the line. You guys ready? If you know how to finish the line, finish it out loud, and we will all see that even though we are still getting older, we still remember just not what's important. Here goes. If you know it, finish it. Give me a break. Give me a break. All right. A few less words. 
not as popular. Let's see if you remember this. Five, five dollar. Why, why, why do you, why? Okay, this one I'm not even going to say words. I'm just going to make noise. And let me see if you remember what comes next. Da, 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 da. Okay, all right. Those were easy. Those are jingles. They're, they're made to be, you know, stuck in your head. And so let's see if you can finish this line. Let's see if you've committed this to memory. Just a small town girl. <laughs> Just a city boy. Why do you know where this fictional character was born and where he's headed to? Why do we commit this to memory. Okay, this next one, I'm going to take a minute and, and I'm going to say the whole entire thing. And if you know it, sing it with me just so we can show that our memory is selective. Here we go. Sing it with me if you know it. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. So I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. Do, do you guys know it? Should we continue? In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, and shooting some people outside of the school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got one little fight. My mom got scared. I whistled for a cab, and when it came near, the license plates had fresh and had Dyson mirror. If anything, I could say that this cab was rare, but I thought, nah, forget You're home to Belair. Do, 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 do. I pulled up to the house around 7 or 8, then I yelled to the cab. Look at my kingdom. I was finally there to sit on my throne as a prince of Belair. Why? Why do we have that? No, do not applaud for that. Don't applaud for that. Holy Spirit, help us to remember what is most important, what will give us hope. Help us, remind us of what you've deposited in our heart, not what we have filled our mind with in Jesus' name. He helps us to call to mind all that Jesus has done for us. I remember when I was 15 years old, I just surrendered my life to Jesus. I just believed in this power. I wanted more of this power, but I was still a little bit of the person I used to be before I surrendered my life to Jesus. I was still a procrastinator. He hadn't worked on that in my life yet, or yet I had not surrendered. And so I remember having to take this chemistry test and I did not study for this chemistry test. And so I'm sitting in my chemistry class and, and I'm being all charismatic Pentecostal. I started claiming things and speaking things into existence. Jesus, I just believe for an A. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would inspire me and you'd give me wisdom above my years and above my youth. And you just put to my mind every single answer so I can ace this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And I submitted the test and two weeks later I found out I failed. Why is that? Because his power is not what we think it is or what we think it's for. We have a part to play in this power. And the part we have to play so that the Spirit of God can remind us is we need preparation. Because I didn't prepare for that test. The Holy Spirit cannot pull out the answers that I had previously deposited into my mind. We have a part to play. It's called preparation. Write this down. With our preparation, 
The Holy Spirit brings his power. With our preparation, the Holy Spirit brings his power. This is why this is so important. This is why spending time and hearing the Spirit of God speak through his word is so important. This is why it's so important that we come together, that we carry one another's burdens, that we worship together in song so we can deposit this praise in our heart so that when a time of dysfunction or darkness or danger comes in our life, the Holy Spirit can remind us of what we've already prepared by putting it in our hearts and our minds. We have a part to play. It's preparation. This is what this is. This is preparation for us. But preparation is not just an information. Preparation happens even better with experience. And so like I talked about last week, I can continue and I will keep praying and speaking and teaching us of who the Holy Spirit is and why we don't have to be afraid of his leading in our lives. But the best thing that we can do is experience his presence and his power in today. I want to prepare our hearts to receive what the Spirit of God wants to do for the power he wants to endue us with. By recalling his word, Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, everything that I've deposited, bless his holy name, it's preparation. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. God has a lot of benefits for those of us who believe in him, but apparently it's easy to forget. And so he reminds us in verse 3, who forgives all of your iniquity. All of our sins have been washed away by Jesus, who heals all of your diseases. By his stripes we have been made healed, who redeems your life from the pit, who's rescued us from hell forever, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles so that we can believe with confidence that the best is still before us. Verse eight, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not owe his child nor keep his anger forever. This is why he sent Jesus. Verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. He has been so good to us. He has been so good to me. Do you know how good he's been to you? How much he loves you? How he's gone all the way so that we can experience all of God's. How he has not left us as orphans, but has filled us with power through his Holy Spirit so we don't have to be spiritually homage, so we don't have to struggle in this life anymore. What's the Spirit of God teaching you today? What are you going to do about it? Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.